uh, one of the seven letters, the first one, and uh, it is, as we now know, uh, written to Ephesus. I just want you to look at this, um, because geographically, when you look at um, you know, the location in uh, western Turkey, so if Turkey is kind of like, like this, you know, uh, the, not the Armenians, but the Armenians are here somewhere, right? Where the Elder Masters took place. Uh, so in the western part of the country, and the way the letters are ordered in the book of Revelation um, is uh, sequentially, as you look at the um, um, places where they are located. So uh, Ephesus is first. Smyrna is next, Pergamum is next, Thyatira, um, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So it's not just haphazardly put together. Again, it's a reminder that God's Word has a divine author. Um, and, and God's work is, even in that sense, perfect. Um, so, but boy, what a message uh, that we hear uh, God has for His people there in Ephesus. Ephesus is also then the most prominent of all these cities. Pergamon was considered to be the citadel, the capital of that whole area. Um, it was uh, involved in the founding of um, the city of Ephesus by a person whose name was Pergam Pergamus, I think. Uh, but we started uh, with Ephesus. Um, and uh, so, lots of good things and also some things that are of real concern. I'm making a switch here, a transition. Go to my notes. It's cold inside. Where am I? Where I am, things look very neat and tidy, very organized, almost sterile. No dust. Nothing miscellaneous, right. Where am I? In the operating room at UC Medical? As a young man in the Netherlands, I had a summer job in the operating rooms. I cleaned them. And it was always kind of cold in there. And you know that very well. Or is it maybe in uh, the middle of summer somewhere in Phoenix, where it gets so um, terribly hot, and you're happy to be inside a bank, and boy, is it cold in there. All of a sudden, not that pleasant maybe either. I'm describing for us in my own words what it feels like when you enter a church where the love thermostat has been placed around where we place it at night, about 56, 57, 8, maybe. It is that church that looks quite respectable and functional on the outside. In some parts of this country, this translates into a church campus that is meticulously manicured, professionally trimmed. On the inside, things look acceptable as well. On Sunday mornings, you can go to the bathrooms and they look spick and span clean. 
The book table looks very well organized and stocked. The people in this church look very proper and serious. But in all that, there seems to be something lacking as well. This sort of virtual church, but sometimes it's not so virtual because I've been in a few churches as a visitor. Uh, when you're visiting a church like this, the people are sort of superficially friendly because when you actually enter the foyer, they see you, there's eye contact, but they just continue to talk with those they're talking with and they don't bother to come over and shake your hand and give you a warm embrace, maybe not embrace, we don't do that too quickly, but at least a welcome. Somebody gives you a bulletin in your hands and you make your way into the sanctuary. And in some churches, there are ushers and they walk you down to the pew where they, I guess, want you to sit. And then you file in and you sit down and you wait for what's next. Five minutes before the top of the hour, the organist or pianist or the guitarist begins to play. And then at the right moment, you find the elders and the pastor finding their way into the sanctuary. Um, and the service can begin. The pastor has taken his place behind the pulpit. The common thread in churches that can be like that is... <coughs> There's coldness. The people act cold. Maybe the sermon is even cold. Maybe the music, the way it's played, could be cold. The singing is cold. It's all right. It's all proper. But something is missing. Somebody has to come into the church, probably just the Holy Spirit, and give that church a good cleaning so that it can be warm again, because it's at best lukewarm. Why is it? Well, in the words of this letter, it's because these people that are Good people, quote-unquote. They're biblical, they're confessional, they're reformed. Or if they are in mean, some other church, but in our context. Um, they have lost something. And it's very easy for that to happen. When we live in the context of a changing, fast-changing world, we live in the context of a, uh, a church that seeks to be faithful and biblical, and how important that is that we are becoming so preoccupied with that apology, that defense of the gospel, that we can evidently lose something very important. So in this letter, you see three things. You see that the church is commended. And boy, they're commended for a lot of things. And I'd say, if you find a church like that, go join it. You know, they are, they know what they're about. Uh, There's a safe place. So they're commended. But they're also rebuked. That same church that is so solid and pure 
is also severely rebuked. And then, of course, the promise. Because God, that's the gospel always. If there's no promise in the gospel, you have been cheated out of something that is essential to what you should be hearing from Sunday to Sunday. Well, let's look at this uh, passage, and you see that the commendation uh, starts with verse 2, and it says there, I know your works, and it's not so much like we would, uh, maybe in the context of the medieval church, the Catholic church, talk about good works, but it is that faithful obedience to the gospel that expresses itself in, in various ways. So they are a, uh, a tree with fruit, definitely. Good fruit. I know your works, the Lord of the church says to them. I know your toil. Uh, these people are not uh, complacent. Uh, they are not in that sense lukewarm at all. They are hard workers. Your toil and your patient endurance in the context of trial and difficulty and persecution uh, Diocletian, remember, is perhaps the one that was um, uh, uh, causing the church to to um, uh, go through various phases, uh, seasons of persecution. Um, and so um, he praises them for that and how you can also not bear with those who are evil. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're not afraid to say, yeah, uh, let's evaluate our culture, our society, and in the light of God's word, this and this and this is wrong with it because of this and this reason. Now, they're well-trained people. Like I said, this is a great church in many, many ways. Um, and how that is shown is that you, ha um, you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Every church, especially small churches, but bigger churches as well, occasionally, or you know, in its history, you have the possibility of people coming into the church, first as a visitor maybe, and then they, they, uh, you know, they join, because you know, we seem to have so much in common. But they come with an agenda. Mm -hmm. And the agenda is that, I can't find the right church anywhere else. And this is my particular point that I, it's like a point, always sort of pointed, um, that I uh, you know, want to uh, see happen. And I think that uh, here maybe I can spread that. I can, I can feed that to, those, uh, to the, those people at the church. And so folks come and they are conservative or they are you know, uh, serious, they are outgoing, what have you. And that agenda begins to act up. Um, and uh, that would be great if there's no concern, right? If there's no worry about any of, you know, then, then you say, well, welcome. But if you have an agenda, if you have something to teach, like the brothers yesterday, we talked about Acts 15, where we have the account where the Pharisees in the Christian church in Jerusalem because some Pharisee had been converted. So the Pharisees in the Christian church didn't like this idea that you no longer needed to keep the laws of Moses, particularly converts coming into the church, Gentile converts, not being circumcised, the males among them. And so they thought that there, that there was something very uh, inadequate 
about this, um, this uh, teaching. And when they hear about the church in Antioch, where then more Gentiles are coming to faith, they take it upon themselves to go to Antioch. They have not been sent by the church. Always remind yourselves of that as well. If somebody comes and says, you know, I believe this and we should do that, uh, by whose authority? <laughs> so important that people are credentialed. I'm not here because I thought, hey, you know, Will called me uh, three years ago and, uh, hey, will you come here? Oh, yeah, let's just come here. And uh, I just came on my own initiative. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sent, as it were, by the approval of my home church. And so this is very important, what he is bringing to our attention. This group in Antioch, I hope, I assume, through their leaders, have tested certain persons who call themselves apostles, which literally means sent ones, but uh, apostles can be used in the narrow sense of those who were the true original apostles, but then also those who were not one of the twelve, and sometimes they are referred to as apostles as well in the New Testament, mm -hmm. but regardless, who call themselves apostles and are not, and you found them to be false. Thank the Lord for a good, healthy church where the leaders of the church do have an understanding of Scripture and that they also uh, know uh, how to uh, use that knowledge to vet or verify whether a person like these apostles have not so pure intentions in mind when they come to this particular church in Ephesus and um, cause a bunch of trouble. Because that's what it always is, isn't it? We saw that in the uh, study of the second book of Second Corinthians, that the Apostle Paul there is talking about the super apostles, uh, those who claim you know, to have a certain insight into God's word, and then to find churches that are opening up the pulpits to them so that they can then disseminate that teaching that then takes over kind of all of the other aspects of ministry, uh, because that's what those folks have in mind. So this is a very good uh, commendation that uh, the church in Ephesus is receiving. Um, and then he says in verse 3, And I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. Again, what a commendation. Uh, the name of the Lord should be most important to all of us. The name of the Lord is holy. Holy, 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 we sang a moment ago. How does that reflect in my life on a day-to-day -day basis? Is the holiness of God's name, God's being, reflected in the one upon whom he has placed his image? And in Christ, we can say that image has been restored and renewed. Is that visible in my life, in my words, in my actions, in my general witness uh, throughout the week? Um, and then when that name is challenged, uh, when you're in the workplace, and, uh, and I'm not saying that I'm here the example of, you know, everybody follow me and do as I have done, because, you know, I'm with you. Uh, but there are times, right, when it is just uh, in the workplace, maybe, you know, uh, the cubicle next over, and it's just GD, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, do you just continue typing at your typewriter, or do you say, oh, typewriter, uh, computer, uh, <laughs> do you say something about that? Hey, I'm offended by that. Mm -hmm. 
this is the name of the Lord. So they they took they took God's name extremely seriously, uh, and are again commended for that. Um, and I think that that is something that is relevant for us today as well. That the more and more we become marginalized in society, frowned upon, disliked overtly, um, the world will feel free in its various ways to abuse the name of the Lord. Uh, but we have a calling not to win the battle that we become the supermajority, but we have the call to defend the name of the Lord, whatever it takes. And they were willing to do that. So what, uh, what, what beautiful words. Um, and then uh, as we go down the passage, then he also mentions yet another commendation that is uh, about the Nicolaitans. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans. And in another letter that is repeated as well there. So it's not crystal clear, you know, um, the Nicolaitans. Uh, there's some various uh, ideas about who these people were. Um, in the other letter, he's associated with the sin of Balaam. Um, let's just very briefly say, these are people who are, as it were, wooing the Christian body away from the exclusive attention to the, the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, so that, it, that, that works factor, right? One way or another, if you don't keep it pure, that always comes back into the, into the church, into the life of the church, um, and then compromises the purity of God's word and God's calling in the gospel. Uh, so for all these things, they are commended, but there is the rebuke. One of the commentators uh, put the heading, The Loveless Church, and I adopted that. Um, because with all this that is so right and so good, is it a church that is pleasing to God? And I think that we as conservative people, uh, typically, generally, um, you know, we too have to listen to this letter, letter, and it happens to be the first one. Mm -hmm. Verse 4. But this I have against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. The word abandoned in, uh, the, in, the, in the Greek language uh, is pretty strong. Uh, it has that, and the translation is, is, is very good. Uh, abandonment. Uh, what do you think about a father who abandons his child? Uh, what do you think about, just like, less serious, what do you think about a person who abandons their dog? You know, you have a nice dog, and uh, summer comes around, and, uh, you know, the dog just can't come along, and you don't have anybody to take care of that dog, and you don't want to spend the money, you know, at the place, the shelter for the dogs, and you just uh, tie it up on the tree, you hope that somebody uh, at a busy road will see it and take it home with them. That has happened a lot. Maybe in this country, but I know in Europe as well. Uh, that's abandonment of a pet. What about abandonment of a child, of a human being? Um, so, so the word abandonment is, is very accurate. It's very serious. It's very confrontational. Uh, it can also be associated with divorce, uh, where, where you know, in a divorce situation, there's a sense of abandonment. It can mean also neglect, uh, dismissal, 
uh, something being left behind. So you get the picture. Um, there's something that was there in the past that is no longer true of this church. And what is that? What have they done? In the midst of everything that is so right and proper, they lost love. The, the original days between a husband and wife, right? Love, excitement, intimacy, uh, enthusiasm, all these things that we associate with, with a, a man and a woman in love. Um, marriage comes, marriage takes place, years go by, and everything, not in all cases, because that's why there are so many divorces today, but in many cases, our own, um, things look good, right, on the outside, and for you to judge, not me, when you're at home, things externally are okay, we're decent to each other, we uh, take care of each other, um, you know, we uh, read the Bible, we go to church, we all do all these things right, but love, love, is there still love? Well, ought to be, and there can be, and there should be. But sometimes counselors meet folks in their offices where it's that simple acknowledgement. Good people. They've lost love. Simple as that. But it may be simple, but very serious as well. So the other things that were seriously necessary that, in fact, the Ephesians uh, accomplished, that doesn't mean that they are such a great church. That, yes, it's kind of cold in there, not very friendly, not very compassionate, loving to one another, that that is okay. It's not okay. It's never okay. Because God says it's not okay. And every church needs to work on that, right? Um, just like marriage. That's a work in progress. You're never at a point where you say, okay, it's all done, finished, and then now it's just cruising down till the end. Uh, you need to work at it every day. Because we are human, we are frail, we're sinners. Point blank. So what do we need to do? We need to repent. Churches that are like this need to repent. And it starts with the leadership. And when the leaders are humble before the face of God, and they recognize this need, this diagnosis, if you will, and they understand from God's word what the principles are to implement those, so that it would be a working towards a more godly, loving body of believers um, that begins with repentance uh, with repentance we are beginning to look forward but you have to first look backwards you have to understand what you are in fact missing and so of course in the life of God's people it is possible that people have never been in love with God because if you are not truly converted if you don't know that you are a changed person 
If the Holy Spirit hasn't gotten a hold of you and grabbed you and, as it were, dragged you in front of the judgment seat of God and you see your sin and your misery and your depravity and that without the blood of Jesus you are done with forever and you're going to spend time with the demons and Satan himself and then understand that deliverance that grace, that pure grace of God, pure love of God for me, for you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then I can say, well, be more loving, be more friendly, be more welcoming, what have you. But it's kind of yeah, speaking to deaf ears. But he is not assuming it, I don't think. The Holy Spirit is speaking to the congregation as in Christ as belonging to him, and he says, repent. So there's time to repent. And it's not saying that you have all the time in the world to repent either. Because if you don't repent, he says, I will come. I will come and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So the lampstand, again, is symbolic of uh, the church um, and Christ's presence and affiliation with the church. It's not to say, per se, that Jesus is saying, and if I remove the lampstand from its place, then you cease to all be believers. But I think it means that the Holy Spirit of Christ, Paul often refers to the Holy Spirit as Christ's Spirit. The Holy Spirit of Christ is with His people. And so there's that marriage, spiritually, marriage intimacy that takes place when believers are united by faith to Christ, when the bodies of Christ, the fellowships of Christ, are united with the head of the church, Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit of Christ can withdraw Himself and... Um, and, 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 and then it gets really cold in there. So don't let that happen. While we have the presence of God intimately, the means of grace on a Sunday-by-Sunday basis, let's think about this here at Covenant Church also and see how this is a challenge for us as well. It's a challenge for every church. As a young man, I came from the Netherlands, and I uh, studied at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then Reformed Bible College as well, but um, it was a much smaller college, more intimate, you know. Um, but uh, during those weekends, which I found terribly lonesome, because everybody was going home to their homes and families, and I was, poor me, left at the campus. Uh, but so I would visit churches. And let me tell you, some churches were really good, and some churches got an F, in my opinion. An F, not because they were not biblical, but they were not warm. They were not kind. They were not saying, oh, I notice you, stranger. Let me walk over to you. Um, so I've, I've had both experiences. I'm sure you folks who have traveled across the world have had the same experiences as well. Some are really good. Uh, some are sort of mediocre. Um, and some just yeah, don't pass the grade. Uh, because there's this possibility that we become... Uh, self-satisfied there's a real this is a reminder to us I don't know what your future is going to be 
But you need to understand the difference mm -hmm. between a church plant ministry like ours mm -hmm. and an established ministry. Too often I've noticed, here as well, frankly, and, and, and I'm not pointing fingers so much because it is so easy, right? Because we have things in place. We have now this, this warm place at the mm -hmm. seminary. We have each other. We take each other for granted all too easily. We take the means of grace for granted, possibly, and we feel like we are a church. Mm -hmm. We're not a church. We're not even far from being a church. We are a Christian fellowship that meets on a regular basis in faithfulness to God's word. We enjoy one another's company, but we're not a church. We are a church plant. And with church plant ministry come these challenges where you have to say, I have to really put all my energy, all my bigger or smaller <coughs> shoulders under this, this cart because it takes everybody's involvement, not only factually, physically, but also the mind, the heart, the soul. They need to all be on the same page, all having the same vision and stayed staying on the vision to develop a church and morph it into, by the Holy Spirit's enabling, into an established church. And when you have an established church, things do, in a sense, get a little easier. Because then, you know, when the next elder is needed, or the next deacon is needed, or uh, the, the person who cleans, or whatever takes place in any church, there's just more of you. Um, and so, love is even more needed in a church plant context than you could say um, in, in an established church. And don't misunderstand me here. I think you probably know what I'm trying to get at. Um, the promise. We need to move on and see the promise. Um, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So seven starts with urgency. Let them hear. Don't just say, hey, will you listen to me? But listen. He who has an ear, do what you have, do with an ear. You listen. You hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a message not just for Ephesian URC. This is a message for all the churches here on this circle of seven churches. It is a message for the church of all ages. Don't lose your love. That intimate, enthusiastic, spontaneous love that Christ, by His presence, the Holy Spirit, places within your heart and soul that makes your life different and changes your life forever. You'll have an ear that listens. Lord, I'm listening to you, Samuel. I'm ready to hear your voice, Lord. Direct me, change me, correct me, rebuke me. But I want to be in your path. I want to be in your plan, not mine. The promise to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The one who conquers. It's an interesting word in the Greek. Um, it is the word from which one of the 
sports shoe makers gets their title or word, and you probably know which one I'm thinking of, Nike. The Greek word Nikao, I think, means to overcome, to conquer. So these people at Nike, they really are proud of themselves, proud of their product, because you know the idea is that if you wear this shoe, you'll win the game. Well, transfer that to more elevated levels of thought. Um, the Christian life, um, if you listen to God's word, if you have an obedient heart that says, Lord, tell me what to do, I'm ready, then who conquers, I will grant something. And what is it that is granted to eat of the tree of life? That brings us all the way back to the book of Genesis, doesn't it? The tree of life. Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden of Eden because the Lord knew that should they then also eat from the tree of, of life, that their condition as fallen rebels against God would be perpetual. So it was actually, while it was disciplinary in form, it was also gracious in nature to take them out of the garden and to close that off so that they would then, in God's way, receive someday this promise. When we are in Christ, we are born anew. We are heading towards the new Eden. And the, the gates are wide open for us. And we will eat of the tree of life. It's, I think, a symbolic expression of just life. Shalom life. Life as it was meant to be and was not due to the fall. Someday, when life is over here, we're going to be in that place of sheer beauty where all that needs to be conquered now has been conquered and Christ declares his victory over it all. We'll be together as God's people in the new heaven and new earth and we'll perpetually live the life intended for us, the eating of the tree of life in the paradise of God. There's this hymn that we will actually sing next week, More Love to Thee. We're going to sing another hymn, 496, that is similar in theme. But it just reminds me here as well that when we live in the, in the sight of God, when we believe his promises, when we take sin seriously and we repent of things like lovelessness that was particularly uh, mentioned for this church, um, that the Lord blesses that obedience and he will give us not only for some time, who knows when, but now already in Christ to enjoy the life that we have in Christ now also with one another. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word of yours. Uh, we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would continue to be a fellowship of believers who love one another. And I thank you so much that that is actually quite apparent in our fellowship. And so, Lord, you are very good to us because that itself is a blessing. 
but it is a blessing not ours but it comes from you and you have by your spirit formed us into a fellowship that uh, is loving and kind and thoughtful Heavenly Father we do pray for churches where it's cold inside and we pray Heavenly Father that you will change that and turn that around so that the church can be in a better position to not only be faithful um, in terms of, of doctrinal orthodoxy and practices uh, but also that that would be an expression of the heart of a heart that is warm with love for Christ Heavenly Father pray we pray hear our prayer for Jesus sake Amen. Amen.